Welcome. You're listening to The Aligned Self, conversations in creating a conscious and abundant life. This is Daniel DeNovi. I'll be your guide and host. Let's see just where we can take this. Hello, friend, and welcome back to the conversation. This is part two of the first part of the series on confronted behaviors. Responses are hidden responses, hidden behaviors that come up when our self-concept, our self-identity has been challenged. Now, if you haven't yet listened to part one, go back and listen to that first, because I'm going to pick right back up where I left off with very little fanfare. So if you haven't listened to the previous episode, go back, stop right now and go back, do yourself a favor and go back and listen. This one won't make much sense if you don't do that. So as you remember, I was talking about a previous client of mine, a lawyer who had been practicing for over 15 years and absolutely did not like his job. And as part of the interview process, when he came on as a client, we determined that he was probably not going to like his job. And so I asked him if he ever thought about just ending this career and beginning a new one. And it was the last thing on his mind. So that's the setup, and we'll go right back into the conversation where we left off. So why would he avoid making a decision? Why would he stick with something that he absolutely didn't like? He admittedly didn't like. He didn't like any aspect of it. Why would he stay with it? Why would he delay or avoid making a decision? This is the passive-aggressive approach where you complain (laughs) ad nauseum on how much you dislike your, your job, your situation, your relationship, yet you're not willing to do anything to change it. And typically the reason why, like in this case, is that it is tied to your self-identity. Either the relationship helps define you, or as in this previous example, he saw himself as a lawyer. I am a lawyer. And as much as he disliked it, it was an aspect of his identity, an aspect of his self-esteem. And without that career, who was he? And so he was avoiding the responsibility thinking that the time and money that he had invested already was enough to keep him going. Like, how could he turn his back on all that? I said, well, it was a valuable education, an expensive education, but valuable. You learned what you didn't really want to do, which potentially sets you up to have an amazing future. Why waste any more of your life? Why waste one more minute being in something, investing yourself in something that you really don't want to do? You see, he was living into the idea that the devil you know is better than the devil you don't know, because at least he knew how to handle this. At least he knew where the pitfalls were. It was familiar. And the unfamiliar, again, is where the fear is. The unknown is fearful. And so people avoid that at all costs. And it is prevalent in relationships, relationships that are dysfunctional, that don't work. The partner is toxic and yet they stay because at least they know what they're up against. They don't know what lies on the other side. They don't know a life without the situation. So they stay. They don't address the fear. They withhold the information. They think that they can make it work. Yet if you sit them down and ask, in three years from now, when this implodes, when it goes kapui, what would be the reason why? Do you already know why it would not work? And they do. 
you do. Now, I need to point out that the reason this stops people, why this fear stops people from taking action or even looking at it, why people avoid being present with it, is because you don't see yourself getting beyond the fear or getting beyond the problem. So I want you to future forecast into what happens afterwards. If you were to be responsible for this information, what action steps could you take? How could you be in the face of it? Could you be courageous? Could you be exploratory? Could you be in the act of an adventure? Okay, so there are some other behaviors that fit into this that I want to touch upon, even though some of these ideas, some of these topics could deserve their own episode. So let's expand some of the ways this flight response can show up. Avoidance, that is the theme. So people become tired. Like they're confronted by a situation, they're confronted by life, making a decision, and they feel exhausted. They get tired, they'll want to sleep, they lose energy, they get distracted, they're confused. And they say something to the effect that, I don't know, I don't know what I want, I don't know the next step to take, I don't know. Well, from personal experience, you know. At the center of your being, you know what you want, you know what you should do, you have the answer. You know you just don't want to take responsibility for it because it's scary on the other side. But in pretending you don't know, you don't have to take action. You don't have to address the elephant in the room. Hey, I don't know. I don't know what I want. I don't know. I know I want to start a business, but I don't know what I would do. I played that game for years when I was working for FedEx. I knew it wasn't a long-term gig. I knew that I wanted to do something else, but I didn't know what I wanted. That's what I said. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I knew what I wanted to do. I was just afraid of being responsible for it. I was afraid of putting myself out there, fully committing. I did have my practice on the side while I was working at FedEx. I saw clients. I saw lots of clients, but I still was holding back. I wasn't playing full out. And I know many of you are also in this situation, playing the I don't know scenario. So this is how you address that. If I did know, that's the position you take. If I did know, what would be my first action? If I did know what kind of business I would want to start, what might it be? You know, engage your imagination. It's non-committal. You're playing a game. You're just investigating. You're entertaining ideas. There's no commitment. Once I started doing that, everything started falling into place. The reason this what-if game works, playing the what-if game, if I did know, how might I do it? It steps around the limitations of your current mindset, your current self-identity, your self-concept. And so by playing with different scenarios that you're not necessarily committing to, you begin to expand the possibilities, you expand the boundaries of your self-concept. And we all know, I've said it before, you cannot perform beyond the boundaries or the limitations of your self-identity. And so the emotion at the center of it is fear. The real culprit, the source of it is your self-concept, your self-identity, how you see yourself, what you think is possible for you, your capacity, not only for life, but for money, for business, for relationship. How much love can you stand? How much love do you deserve? See, it's all governed by your self-identity. Now, I've also seen this in relationships, usually in the early stages of relationships, when they're considering, do I go to the next level? Do I really commit? I don't know. 
and they avoid actually taking responsibility, actually making a choice. Because the choice is we're either moving ahead or we're breaking up. Yet most people don't even address that question. Well, one partner that wants the question to be answered and the other person is holding off, you know, dragging their feet, not making a decision. Typically it's the man. The woman becomes passive aggressive, angry yet passive. In the background, she's telling her friends on he just won't commit or there'll even be arguments. You just won't commit. Like, why can't you commit? I don't know. There's some... Yes, you know. See, you know. Another avoidant behavior is to be busy. See, some people have a hard time being with themselves, like alone by themselves, because they have to confront the failings that they think they have. Rather than use them to build on, they see them as something they don't even want to look at. They can't even admit it. So rather than having any downtime where they're alone, they're constantly busy. They fill their calendar up with social engagements, activities, travel, running here, running there, anything to avoid being with the actual subject. Sometimes it's people working long hours, not wanting to go home because they have to face their relationship. So they find other things to do. They might start a business, another project, just anything other than to be present with the actual question or fear that's in front of them. A variation of this behavior is people that are workaholics. They put in a lot of hours, a lot of effort in order to receive accolades from their boss or their company, you know, to achieve something. And underneath that is the wanting, the cry, basically, daddy, daddy, look at me. Like, see, I'm a good guy. I'm a good person. I'm accomplished. I've known men and women with this. And at the heart of it is to be validated, validated either by the company, by salary, or by prestige. And also from this mindset, money is sense of value. How much money you make, how much money you have in the bank, how much money you have access to is a source of identity, a source of self-esteem. This need for validation or to be seen as accomplished typically comes from a self-concept that was developed as a result or at the effect of a overtly judgmental parent or criticizing, not necessarily in a detrimental way. They just wanted you to be good and perhaps rather than pat you on the back for what you were doing right, they constantly saw where you could improve, constantly saw where you could do better. And so the shadow belief that was developed underneath there that was part of the self-concept that you currently have is, I'm not good enough, or I'm never quite good enough. Like, I'm just missing the mark. I'm just missing the accolades. So when they come, you want other people to see. You want other people to notice. And at the heart of it is a self-identity, a self-concept that needs to be validated externally. You haven't yet developed the criteria inside What is a good job according to you? What is acceptable to you? And then as long as you meet that set of criteria, then it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. But when you're constantly seeking outside validation, then you tend to sell your soul to get other people's approval, other people's goodwill or esteem towards you. And you certainly don't do anything to rock the boat. Another avoidant behavior is to check out. 
You either blank out, you space out, you get dizzy. It's evident in a relationship, in a conversation where one person checks out, they become silent. The other person does all the talking and the other person just agrees in order to be agreeable, like they get out of the situation. And in saying that, I can't necessarily say that is a bad strategy because sometimes that is an effective strategy for that moment. But it's recognizing my point and bringing it up is for you to recognize it for what it is. You don't want to be present with the conflict at that moment, which sometimes it's good to call a retreat and come back when both tempers, both the energy has lowered to where you can address it in a much more calm manner. So sometimes, sometimes the strategy is effective in order to retreat, but just recognize it for what it is. Now, I'm almost done here, but I have a few more behaviors, avoidant behaviors that I want to address because they are present in our society, present in relationships that you're in, and possibly present with you. First is distraction. One, allowing yourself to be distracted. And this is interesting. When you find your goals in outcomes, and I've been that way, this is me, when you find your goals and intentions confronting, like it's big, You tend to, I have tended over the years to make other people's goals, other people's interests more important than my own. Because underneath it was like, who am I? You know, I I can lay down my life. I, I think I've mentioned once or twice before that in my 20s, I had the Messiah syndrome. Basically, I'm willing to die for you. And we see it in women, especially, where... Their goals are subservient to the goals of the household, the goals of their spouse, and someday there's a wish that they could live their life. But in it, behind it, is the excuse, I can't follow my dreams, I can't do what I want because of the commitments that I have with other people. Now is the time. Recognize that you have the capacity, you have the ability to declare this is your time today and still fulfill on the obligations. You need some new agreements, but you can do it. That was the first mode of distraction. The other, and we're also distracted by other like interruptions. I'm constantly being interrupted and it will show up as an excuse. If I wasn't so interrupted, if I didn't have all these people yanking at my shirt tails, then I could get stuff done. And my friend, I have to be completely honest, this is also me, has been me in the past. So the second aspect of distraction is allowing yourself to be distracted by the phone, your device, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, all those other distractions. For some people, it's email. The first thing they do in the day, in the morning, they check their email and then there's a hundred fires they have to put out. When, if you were to reserve that time in the morning just for you, put off, don't even look at social media, don't even look at your email until later in the day, then you can spend that time for you as sovereign for you. You set it aside. It's valuable. If you don't believe that you're enough, if you don't believe you're good enough, you don't set the time aside for yourself. It's easier to invest it in other projects, distractions. And so what other distractions are there? Aside from your device, there's the television, there's movies, and then there's other addictions. Could be sweets, could be food. You you don't want to be present to your emotions, so you invest yourself in food, emotional eating. It's a big problem for a lot of people. 
I have gone through periods where, you know, it's not just for women. I've gone through periods of emotional eating where something feels empty inside. There's something that I'm not addressing. And I think that maybe food, maybe some chips or something like that will fill that void. Fortunately, many pounds later, fortunately, I can recognize that. I can recognize that pattern. And I'm empowered to make a different choice. Also, it's alcohol and drugs, sex, gambling, shopping. Those are all avoidant behaviors. They can be. Some, sometimes they have their place. But are they taking aspects of your life and putting it on the back burner? Are they more important than other things that should be important? That is because you're using that as a distraction to be responsible for your dreams. Now, before I go, there's two behaviors that typically occur in a narcissistic uh, relationship from, from a narcissist or someone with narcissistic tendencies. And they could go, and they probably will go again in the last episode here from the fighting aspect, but it's still in this realm of avoidance. And that is a pattern of deflection. When you try and hold someone else accountable, they will tend to deflect and basically say something like this. Me? You're, you're talking to me? Let's talk about you. And they'll try and deflect the, the conversation and reflect it back on the other person and make some kind of character assessment or point out a character defect or what they consider is a character defect. And the other person is on the run or in defense. And that becomes the focus of the conversation. And from their point of view, oh, I escaped being accountable for that. And the other person spends all the time focusing on the attack that the other person made, and the other person is not held accountable. They avoid that situation. The other behavior is called gaslighting. That's when you express your emotions, you express a point of view, and the other person changes the table on you and makes you feel as if you're crazy. Like, you shouldn't have those emotions, you shouldn't have those feelings. Your point of view is stupid. It's invalid. Gaslighting comes from the 1944 movie where the husband tried to make the wife feel as if she was crazy. He would subtly, and without her knowing, dim the lights. And she would notice, she'd come back later or come back in the room and say, something's wrong with the lights. The lights are dimmer. And he'd say, you're crazy. There's nothing wrong with the lights. They're fine. There's, they're the same level that they were when you left the room. And she would shake her head and question her very sense of sanity, her sense of reality. And it would happen in a number of different ways. Little things were changed. Little things you know, were moved here and there. And it was emotional abuse. He really made her feel like she couldn't trust her own perceptions. I admit the last two behaviors, the deflection and the gaslighting, are a lot more sinister. They leave that person on the receiving end of that behavior feeling emotionally raw. But while the effect is sinister, more often than not, the person delivering that avoidant behavior is not conscious that they're doing it. They know they're getting away with something. They're no, they know that they're avoiding being responsible, but they don't, aren't conscious necessarily of the impact. In their mind, they're trying to preserve their sense of security because at the heart, at their core, they are very insecure. Their ego is one of the most fragile on the planet, yet they are fiercely determined to defend that stand. But those techniques I wanted to point out are avoidant behaviors, avoiding being responsible, avoiding being accountable for their life. 
Now, I should point out that lying, out-and-out lying, is a narcissistic behavior and typically performed by someone that has narcissistic tendencies. But the way that shows up in lying, when you try and confront them, they typically will say, how dare you insult my sense of integrity? How dare you accuse me? Like they get very indignant and they try and, again, deflect onto you. Who are you to judge me? So at this point, you're in one of two places, possibly two places. One, you see some behaviors that you engage in, some behaviors that you are in practice in that you utilize unconsciously and are now conscious of. And then you also see behavior in those that you love, see behavior present in those around you. And you now understand that at the heart of it is fear. Because on some level, their sense of self, their self-concept is in danger. And so they want to protect it and they have these behaviors. You may have these behaviors in place in order to protect your sense of self, which has not been completely identified consciously by you. It's been one that you've adopted. And because I said earlier, it is a hodgepodge of different ideas, different beliefs, different perceptions, and not specifically chosen by you, it is fragile by design. So when you see this behavior, when you can identify this behavior and be aware of it, you can ask a deeper question, what is going on? Where do I feel confronted? Why do I feel confronted? Is this the truth? And as I discussed in the episode on shadow beliefs, it seems as if you're being attacked, when in actuality, you're not. It's just your perception. And the goal is to get to a point where you're solid in your choices. You know what you stand for. You know what you believe. And if somebody else has a differing opinion, no big deal. And at the heart of all your activity is the search for truth, the search for integrity, because being integrous, having congruence in your life, making sure that everything lines up is more important than being quote unquote right or quote unquote wrong. Because your primary goal is to be effective and productive in your life, that you spend your time, the the rest of the time that you have on the planet, engaged in behavior that serves you, a peak performance life. Now, this is the goal of my Aligned Self Coaching Program, but you don't necessarily need to engage in the coaching program to get the benefits. It requires some focused tension on your part, asking the right questions. But ultimately, what you want is a self-identity that you choose that is solid, that is concrete at your core, and you are unmessable with, you are resilient, you are unflappable. There's nothing anyone can say that can push you off balance, because who you are has been a considered endeavor, a conscious choice, and there is power in that. So until next time, where we'll pick up this conversation in the next episode, this is your friend and host, Daniel Danovi, urging you to follow your bliss, live your life from inner signals, be inner directed as you live the epic adventure. (laughs) 